Welcome to the Hope Fellowship Podcast, where you can listen to our weekly walk through the Bible. We do hope you enjoy your time with us today. Please check us out at hopehogansville.com. And if you feel led to support our ministry, please click the link in this episode's description. Now here's this week's walk through the Bible. I think looking at this letter and studying it, it would be really easy for Paul to have ended this letter where we left off, uh, in, where he left off in verse 9. After kind of talking about the joy of the Lord and saying, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. These things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. That just sounds like a great ending to such a good letter. But Paul had a few more things to say before he ended this letter. And um, something that has been a theme throughout this letter, in addition to the joy of the Lord and the spirit of koinonia that this church shared with one another, was their generosity. Paul has praised them on several occasions because of their willingness to be generous to him and the notable generosity that they had uh, with their own church and with the ministry of the Lord that was unique among all the other churches that Paul visited or planted. Paul stated to them that they stood out from among all the others because of their spirit of generosity. So that's something that we're going to, he spends a few more minutes coming back to that at the end of this letter. So I'd like to read verses 10 through 19 this morning. And I'd like to focus on verses 14 through 19 as we walk through those together. So let's read together Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 19. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, when we started this section last week, Paul was rejoicing because of the generosity and the concern that the Philippian church had for him. Uh, They knew that he was in prison. They knew that he had suffered a number of difficult trials throughout his life and ministry, and they wanted to continue to contribute to the work that he was doing for the sake of the gospel as long as the Lord had him there. They didn't know where the Lord would take him from there, and he didn't know where the Lord was going to take him from there. 
He still held out hope that he was going to be released and maybe have the privilege of going back to Philippi among some of the other churches potentially and visiting them and continuing the ministry of encouragement and teaching for the sake of the gospel and ministry. He did not know that he was going to be um, executed there in Rome and uh, neither did the church. But until the Lord said it was time for Paul to leave this earth, they continued to minister to one another. Paul was ministering to them spiritually. They were ministering to him spiritually and physically, providing for his needs. And he said in, in verses 10 and 11, he said, you've, you've revived your concern for me. You were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content. So we've express, he's expressed already that he, does, he doesn't have a want or a desire to pull on them or to ask more from them because he has learned the art of contentment. He's learned the skill and the blessing of being able to be content in whatever circumstance the Lord has placed him in. And we kind of walked through those verses last week about what that might look like to be content in times of need and to be content in times of, of great abundance. And uh, we kind of saw that this in Jesus Christ is a fruit that the Lord gives to us, a fruit of the Spirit of God, that he gives to us the ability to trust him through all circumstances. Now with that, before I move on, I would like to just add to that, that uh, there is a sense in which we can be discontented to the point where we're grumbling and complaining against our circumstances in life, grumbling and complaining against God and angry with God, and sin could be uh, allowed to reside in our hearts through discontentment with our circumstances, whether they're good or bad circumstances. But there's also much like the, the issue of anxiety that we brought up earlier from in verse 4. I think there are times in which even that, that word anxiety is used in other times to refer to good things. Paul's concern, deep, heartfelt, emotional concern that he had for the church that God gave to him. It moved him to action that was not a sin for him to have on behalf of the church. It was the same word. Anxiety was used in both cases. So there's some cases in which these kinds of things can arise. And I think similarly with discontentment, just kind of been thinking about that this week, um, that there are times, I think, when the Lord even stirs our hearts with an, with an unsteadiness or a, um, a knowledge or a realization that maybe something needs to change. Something needs to change for the better or something, um, something maybe he's moving us to action. Maybe he's prompting us to to pursue him through his word. Maybe he's prompting us to pursue somebody else in a relationship for the sake of the gospel. Maybe he's prompting us to do something regarding a circumstance in life, but it can be a good thing. It's a form of maybe a, a holy discontentment with the way things are. So I would add that to what I shared with you last week, just in the sense that maybe not all discontentment is sinful. Some of it may be a stirring of the spirit of God within our hearts. And that's something that I believe that you and the Spirit of the Lord can help search out in your own hearts as you draw near to the Lord. The Spirit of God will reveal to us what the true motivations of our heart are. And Paul kind of pointed out that in these sections. He was really acknowledging his heart. And he wanted to make clear that the motivation of his heart in saying what he's about to say to the church was not that he's asking for anything else from them. 
He's not desiring more stuff. He is content. He's truly acknowledging that he has everything that he needs. And he says, I want to make sure that you understand. I'm not asking you to give me any more stuff. And so then he comes to verse 14 and he says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You've done well to share with me. So he's saying, this is a good thing. You have shared with me. Nobody else has shared with me except for you alone. When I first left Macedonia, he said in verse 15, he says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. He's saying this is a good thing that you've done. It's good to share. That's a pretty simple truth that we could pull out of Paul's communication with the church. Listen, you guys are sharing. You have within your heart for some reason made the Spirit of God has produced in you a special generosity, and I've experienced it firsthand, and I'm encouraging you to keep it up because sharing is a good thing. And he says, then he clarifies in verse 17, he kind of repeats what he said before when he says, not that I seek the gift itself. So he's not actually asking for more things, but he says, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. And this is one of the first things I really wanted to spend a minute or two on this morning. He said, I seek the profit which increases to your account. And so when he was, he's encouraging them to continue in their giving, to fuel that generosity that they have, whether it be for their brothers and sisters in the faith within that fellowship or other churches that are doing the work of the gospel, or other gospel ministers, or himself, whatever they choose, however they choose to, uh, to, to give that uh, gift or, gener- or express that generosity, he encourages them to remember that there is a profit that is accruing on their account. Now, that, that word profit is really important to understand because when I read profit, I think of Uh, monetary gain, or I think sometimes of the accumulation of more possessions, or I think of uh, just gaining more things. That word specifically means fruit. It's a Greek word that means fruit. That's That's a little bit more specific to me than just the word profit. Because what I think this means, it could be very easy to turn this into uh, the idea that this is a uh, give-to-get scheme from God. If you give to God, or if you give to people, then God will give to you in a sense that in order to get from God, you have to give to God. And this would be a false interpretation of this passage or any other passage about giving in God's word. But he does tell us that there is a sense in which there is a fruit that is growing in the heart of the believers And the Lord is using their generosity to produce that fruit. He is telling them that there is something good that's taking place in their heart and in their life that God is producing in them. And he is using their generosity to to continue cultivating that in their heart. It's a fruit that comes from being generous givers. So one way of seeing this and understanding this is that Along the way, they were giving to Paul for the sake of him in continuing in the work of ministry that he was doing. His work of ministry had directly affected them spiritually. 
He was providing for them spiritually. He was teaching them. He was leading them out of the error of false teaching. He was leading them out of, um, of lost pagan lifestyles and leading them to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was producing for them godliness through his teaching. Now, throughout the letters of Paul, you might find in the book of Corinthians where Paul encourages the Corinthian church to make sure that you provide for your ministers. And that was the concept of um, a worker is worthy of his hire. If somebody's working, he ought to be paid for his work. But in this case, it's a little bit different. He's kind of pulling on that and saying, listen, it's good for you to continue giving for those who are providing for your benefit. And that is taking place. But in this case, they were giving to him, even though they were not directly being affected by his ministry. Because when he was in Rome, he was preaching to everybody who was in Caesar's household and everybody who would come around him and all the guards who would come his way. He was continuing the work of ministry. He was sending out letters to various churches and they were contributing to the ministry that Paul was doing for other churches. So this was not an obligatory gift in a sense that Paul came to Philippi and he preached for them and they paid him. All right. That would have been right and that would have been appropriate. But this was more than that. This was this was a different kind of generosity. And, and he even shared with them. He said, it's notable because even when I was in Thessalonica, working with the church in Thessalonica, you were sending me gifts to help me continue and to be provided for in my needs so that I could continue the work of the gospel in Thessalonica for their benefit. So they weren't even directly receiving from Paul at that point in time, but they were contributing to that. So there's this generosity that is broadly expanding to uh, the work of the gospel, even though they're not directly receiving. But there is an aspect of this in which Paul is ministering to them and they are ministering to him and that as they continue giving to him, they are growing in their faith as well. So it is an encouragement to continue in this generosity and to recognize that the Spirit of God is producing in us something good that is more than just a provision for physical needs. God will help us, but not just physically. So and he kind of explains a little bit of that. You get a better taste of that if you keep reading these verses. He says in verse 17, look at this with me, he says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied, having received, every, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. So there he says, I received everything in full. He's amply supplied. And that word supplied literally means to... Uh, to, to be full or to have everything taken care of. It's to come to an end or be complete, to be fully provided. That's, that means that he had a need, but the need has been fully provided for. It, is, it, it has come to an end. The need itself has come to an end. And he's saying, I had physical needs. He's most likely talking about physical needs where he was at. And he's saying, because of the gift that you sent through Epaphroditus, that need is done. I don't really need anything else. And that kind of speaks back to this contentment that Paul has already expressed that he has. He doesn't really have a need. He's not asking for more. But the gift that you gave, notice this, he says, 
what you have sent. In verse 18, he says, what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So what you've sent, the gift itself, was a fragrant aroma and an acceptable sacrifice. Now, in other places, Paul talked about the gifts that the churches were giving to him, where he felt as though when they gave to him these gifts, they were a, they were a pleasing, fragrant aroma to him. And, and an acceptable sacrifice, meaning that they sacrificed out of their abundance or out of their needs, and they helped him, and it was sweet to him. It was encouraging to him. It was uplifting to him. It was strengthening to him. It was a fragrant aroma to him. But in this case here, he says, this, this gift that you sent is a fragrant aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, which could very well apply to how he felt about their generosity. But then he says that it is well-pleasing to God. And I believe that this generosity is, um, Paul is tying generosity to worship. Where he's saying that this is, he's using the language of worship. Often throughout scripture, the language of worship is tied to generosity. And giving is right there next to acts of worship to the Lord. Expressing worship to God and expressing gratitude to the Lord and expressing thankfulness to God and revering him for his holiness and for his majesty and for his goodness often came with some form of a gift that the individual brought to the Lord. Sometimes they were sacrifices specifically for the purpose of remission of sins or uh, um, atonement purposes, but those were a little bit different. But there were oftentimes gifts as well that came that were simply uh, gratitude offerings, thank offerings that were brought to the Lord. Expressions of worship. And I believe Paul's bringing these words into this to say, listen, you have given to me simply physically. You sent Epaphroditus with a present, with a gift. I opened it. I liked what was inside. It met my needs. I'm good. I don't need anything else. But I want you to know something. I think what God is doing in your heart through this is more than just the gift. This was... This is worship to the Lord. You have seen the work that God is doing in my life and you value it and you, you are ascribing worth to it and you are glorifying the Lord by helping me continue in the work that I'm doing and by helping a brother or sister in Christ. And as you continue to give with that sense of generosity to one another, you're ascribing value to God's church. You're ascribing value to God's people. You're ascribing value to the Lord ultimately through that. So he's not encouraging them to worship one another, but ultimately to worship him through valuing one another and caring for one another, even if it is out of uh, sacrifice and a need. He says this is well-pleasing to God. It's not just physical. It was also spiritual. And it's not just obligatory, but it's from the heart, meaning that it wasn't, they weren't just paying him for a service. They were giving to him because they cared about him and they loved him. And they were expressing that love through a gift. And we know what that's like, right? I mean, if a family member were to, uh, to give you something to help you in your need, and then later you were to give them something else in return, to some extent you're, you're 
exchanging services for one another. It's a little bit of a trade. Sometimes uh, you may feel obligated to do that, a family or a friend or somebody else, or maybe you hire somebody to come do something for you. But sometimes just because you want, you value somebody in your life and you want to express that value to that person, one of the things that we have traditionally held on to throughout all of our culture and generations is the idea of giving a gift. Sometimes we don't even like the gift, but it's just nice to get something in a little bag and pull the paper out and see the thing inside of know that that somebody thought of you. It's not your birthday and it's not Christmas and you know, it's just somebody thought of you and wanted to give you something special and it's it is an act of kindness, it is an act of love and it's an act and generosity was the tool by which you expressed that, by which you put on display what you felt in your heart. You know how it is? Sometimes it's hard to put into words the things that you feel towards one another. And so you, you buy something you think they might like, and you put it in a present or something, and you give it to them and hope that that kind of does the job. And it, you know, may or may not land. But ultimately, the message is it's the thought that counts, right? That's typically what we say, right? But, it, and, that, and why do we say that? We say that because we, we all kind of get that sense of excitement and that feeling of, um, of friendship and family and love when somebody does provide a gift like this. And I think that's what Paul is trying to express to the Philippians. This is what you've done for me. This is what you've done for me. And your care for me while I've been in prison, while I've been preaching the gospel, you've taken care of me. And I want to encourage you guys to keep doing that. And this is also a way that we show God that we love him by loving his church, by providing for his church and sharing with one another when we have needs and sharing with one another when we don't have needs, giving to one another and taking care of one another and being generous is a tool by which we bring an offering that is pleasing to the Lord. So Philippians 2.17, Paul's already kind of expressed a little bit of how he's put himself out there in a similar fashion. He said, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Kind of speaking of the idea that he is, he is giving of himself and his life for the sake of their faith. He's pouring himself out as an offering on the sacrifice and service of their faith. So in a sense, he's not giving physical gifts to the Philippian church, but he's doing everything within his power to provide what he values the most and what he, God has given to him that is extremely valuable for the church and for God's people. And he is willing to lay down his life. He's pouring out all that he has to the point of death if necessary for the sake of the growth of their faith. For Paul, that was an act of love. And I believe it was also his calling and commission from God to live in that sense. Ephesians 5, 2, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 13. The writer of Hebrews encourages, uh, encourages us the same way. Uh, 13 verses 15 and 16, he says this, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Now that is through him, that is Jesus. So now again, these verses have the sound of worship 
built into him. You hear that? He says, through him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So we are praising the Lord with our lips. But then he goes on and he says, and do not neglect good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So there again, giving and sharing are partnered very closely with worship and with vocalizing our praise and thanksgiving to God with our lips. And this is tied specifically to worshiping God through Jesus Christ. It is a sacrifice of praise to God to give and share to God's people. And then I think the strongest verse in this passage is the promise that we hold on to. And this promise, I think, we really need to tie to a lot of the other things that we've already read in Philippians. He says in verse 19, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs, that's all, that's everything, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Which is simply a promise that God will take care of us out of his abundance. He is rich. He is glorious. He has everything. He owns everything. He is the God of all creation. And if we have need, and then we ought to go to him with our needs because he has the ability to provide. But what we see here is this rich promise that God will provide. Now, I think it's important, again, to remember that this is a promise not of riches for God's people. God does not promise God's people that we will be rich in life. If that's the case, then there are a lot of people that worship the Lord from their hearts in this world that are in great poverty that apparently are not actually God's people. But I believe that that is contrary to very much of what God says throughout his word. He teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith, not of our works. That what God provides for us, what God gives to us, what God pours out in our lives abundantly and in abundance and in excess, we've not earned and we've not, and we can never earn. We can't buy it and we can't, we can't twist God's arm for it. So this provision that Paul's talking about, this riches or everything that he says that he will take care of, the needs in our lives, he says God will provide our needs. He says my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. This is a promise not of riches but a promise of care. God is promising to care for you and I. Now it is, I believe, uh, two-sided. I believe it's physical and spiritual. I believe God does care about our physical needs. He's expressed that on multiple occasions throughout Scripture when he talks about the birds. Not one falls from the sky without him noticing. Who clothes the, the lilies of the field? God takes care of the lilies of the field. Who is it that how much more would he care for us? We are his people. We are his children. God cares about our physical needs, and he does provide, and he uses the church to help provide for those needs. But he's not promising that we will have everything that we want, and he's not promising that we will get rich. God's word is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is, in fact, he tells us that many uh, trials and tribulations will come into our lives as a result of being a believer in a world of darkness. 
but the Lord Jesus Christ will carry us through and through the generosity of the church, we have the privilege of tasting, of tasting our Father in heaven's blessed provision in our lives every day and knowing that he is caring for our every need. And when we do suffer need, we can come to God and pray and learn to be content because the God of peace is with us. And that, that is not an easy thing every day. Sometimes it's hard when the difficulties of life come and we have to bring all those things back to the feet of God and ask him to help us to have peace, ask him to help us to have joy, ask him to take care of our needs. I can think of so many times that me and Leanne have sat down and we've just prayed about very specific needs that we had. You know, we try our best to budget. You know, we've, we take classes and we, we try to be wise. We talk to um, people in our lives that we consider to be wise counselors to help us organize our lives so that we can best provide for our own needs and be wise and not be foolish stewards of all that the Lord's given us. But there are times when we look at all the things that are coming and all the things that are here, and then we look at what we have to pay for it all, and we're, we just don't know how we're going to do it. And sometimes, uh, many times, we have just prayed very specifically for things that, that we needed. And the Lord, without telling anybody else, there was a gift that came spontaneously from a friend that we knew from Florida or from Indiana or from somewhere else that we knew. Something just happened to come in the mail the next day, which we know the Lord must have stirred in their heart days ago to give us something. And it came in the mail the day after we prayed for it. You know, or it, the Lord put on somebody's heart to give us something for our need. So many times, so many times that's happened for us. And honestly, I'm I'm grateful that the Lord put us in those positions because from being in that place of need and being forced to, to rather than try to figure it out on my own and come up with a better budgeting technique or put it all on the credit card, we prayed about it and saw the Lord provide. Let me tell you, the faith that grows in my heart every time that happens, it's, it's like exponential. It's big. The Lord does something special in my heart. I think that's what Paul's talking about when he says what I long for. He says, I don't need any more giving, but you really need to keep giving because I, seek, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the profit, which increases to your benefit. I think Paul knows what's growing in their heart when they give like that and when they receive from one another. So Paul is saying, God will take care of of our needs according to his riches and glory. And I'd like to finish by reading Ephesians chapter 13, verse 15 through 16. He says this, or excuse me, Ephesians 3. There's no 13 in Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 15, 14 through 19, actually. Ephesians 4, 3, 14 through 19. This is what he says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So there it is. 
Remember in Philippians, he says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So now Paul is praying that out of the riches of God's glory, he will provide these things. And he tells him what he's praying for. According to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That is riches. That's riches that comes from the abundance and from the the riches of God's glory. That is the profit that is growing to our account. That is the fruit that God is building in our lives to be strengthened with power through the Spirit of God in our inner man. That's what God is producing in us. And that he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you may be And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to understand all that God's given to you. This is is the gospel. This is the gospel. It It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you're at all wrestling with your faith this morning, this is where you need to spend your time thinking and praying. This is the work that God wants to do in our hearts through Jesus. And I would encourage you to cry out to the Lord Jesus for salvation because gaining the approval of God, gaining the forgiveness of God, gaining the forgiveness from your sins and, and um, being right with God cannot be accomplished by doing more good deeds or by trying to do less bad things and trying to give more. This is not a story about giving so that God will save you. That can't happen. You can't give enough to convince God to save you from your sins. The only source of salvation is through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, all is supplied. All is supplied. And that's what he, Paul is praying for, for the, on the behalf of the Ephesian church. He's praying that they will know Jesus in such a way that they will realize that all of their salvation is supplied by the riches of the glory of God. Trust in Jesus. And you will know, you'll be able to understand, along with all the other saints, you'll be able to understand, with, along with all the other saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And that's the same, it's like the peace that passes all understanding. Love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. This is a big kind of peace that, it, that you just can't really understand it because it comes from God. It's bigger than the peace that the world can offer. This is the love of God that the world that, that the world can't offer, that only God can offer. It's a love you can't comprehend. It's the kind of love that convinces uh, people to give and share with one another and to receive with joy and for faith to grow and for us to continue trusting in the provision of God with our lives. Another big thing that the Lord does in our life is whenever we give, especially when we have our own needs. Sometimes in order for us to give, we have to carve away from something that, that we've got set aside to meet our own needs. And in doing that, we have to, it, it is an offering of the Lord in which we say, God, I'm trusting you to provide for me. 
and I'm grateful for the opportunity that you've given me to help somebody else through that gift. And so that produces a, a growth of faith in our life and forces us to trust the Lord yet again. So in giving and in receiving, the Lord is leading us and he's building something beautiful in our hearts. So I think the simple message here, Paul said in verse 14, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. You've done well to share with me. And he said, you know, of all the other churches, no one shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. I think the encouragement here is to continue in that. And for us, be to join with one another, share with one another in the joy of giving and receiving with one another. And see what the Lord will do in your heart through that. And ultimately, in all the things that Paul's taught in the letter to Philippians, we need to trust that God will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. And so we worship him, we trust him, we praise him, and we love him through loving his people. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this week's Walk Through the Bible with Hope Fellowship. I leave you with these words from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.